We should just cue the music. Hello there. I am Iron Man. I am your father. I'm Batman. Why so serious? I know, right? If you think it's nerdy, we got you covered. Tell me, do you play it? Oh, no, no, that's not a question I need answer. Just take my money already! Just do it! I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. It's so dark! Do you see that from the DC Universe? We know each other! She's a friend from work! We were doing it everywhere. And I mean everywhere. At the office. After hours. Over the phone. On the weekend. Get your head out of the gutter. We were talking about comic books, shows, and movies. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. So now we bring you Just Another Nerd Show with Jason Whistle and Kevin Hilston. What is up, Nerd Nation? It is just another nerd show. How are you doing today? I'm Jay. On the other microphone is Kev. We have got a ton to talk about, but first things first. Kev, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I uh, You sound a little... Uh, you know what? We're going to power through it. We're going to power through it. And <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. No, it's it was good. It was good. We got... Um, how do I sum up this past week? We got spoiled on Wednesday. Um, mm-hmm. I had um, feces shoved down my eyelids on Friday, and then mm. and then no, wait, no. Let me let me rephrase that. So we got. I was, spoiled I was about on to say because that, sound, that 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 sounds like a really bad date. No, we got <laughs> we got spoiled on Wednesday. We got spoiled on Thursday with the Halo episode. Then I had feces shoved down my eyelids on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then I got spoiled again on Wednesday with this episode two of Moon Knight. The Friday, though, I am I am talking about Morbius. That was... I, I, I was about <sighs> to say, so, so since you got spoiled on Wednesday, feces on Friday, and spoiled again on Wednesday, that means you had a literal shit sandwich. I had a shit sandwich, yeah. It was... It you was uh, Yeah. It's not at all what you'd expect. <laughs> <laughs> Great start to the well, show. Yeah. Great energy. I Let's go. So. We're, 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 we're real classy here, just another nerd show. But it is time to talk about episode two of Moon Knight. But before we do that, I do want to give a couple of shout outs uh, to Bjorn and Aiden, who uh, chimed in on our trivia quiz or question from last week. Uh, the first appearance of Moon Knight in Marvel Comics, it was actually Werewolf by Night. Uh, so thank you to you two and thank you for listening to the show as well. Uh, greatly appreciated. Episode two. Hello, Mr. Knight. Kev, what were your thoughts on this? I... I... I really liked it. I liked episode one better. I did. Having said that, episode two... Okay, so I'm not going to bear the lead here. The interesting... Probably the most interesting thing, if you know the backstory of Moon Knight, of Mark Spector... Um, obviously there is a Mr. Knight persona in the comics. He's more of a detective type of character and he is also still Mark Spector in this. I obviously I I'm just speculating two episodes in, but it looks like each persona or each personality or identity rather, um, gets their own interpretation of what suit up means. I need like a clip of Barney Stinson going suit up, like, (laughs) (laughs) but I I feel like that's so when when he kept getting yelled at going like put on the suit or summon the suit, summon the suit. And he's like, suit, what are you talking about suit? Because he wouldn't have had any recollection of uh, the Moon Knight comic book look that we're accustomed to because that's Mark Spector's 
um, Conchu personification. So that means mm-hmm. that Mark Spector's personification is a literal guy in a suit. He still has all the same power and all the same abilities, and he can summon weapons. Like, it's all the same stuff, and he still has the blessing from Conchu that gives him strength and I think makes him bulletproof. Like, there's there's certain... They're, they're kind of vague so far about the skill set, but I, I do actually like that we're getting, like, a Mark Spector Moon Knight, and then we're getting a Stephen Grant Mr. Knight. It leaves the door open... For if you wanted to do something original with like a third identity or if you introduced, you know, a fourth identity and then like down the road, you know, <laughs> he becomes this. Um, you remember, you remember like in the comics how like Spider-Man, Iron Man, they all have these different suits for different storylines depending on what they needed. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm feeling right now is this is the closest we're going to get since Iron Man. To somebody who can maybe do that whole adapt to survive type type of thing, right? And I actually mm. really like that we finally got... So I wrote down in my notes here, first appearance of Mr. Knight that we're seeing. Love the look. I thought it was great. Um, and first time we get to actually see Mark Spector on screen and not just in a reflection. It is interesting because you had, uh, in the first episode, you had Khonshu uh, basically saying, like, okay, I'm not dealing with the idiot. Like, just let Mark take over kind of thing. Um, and Steve, Stevie was almost the the impedance to getting Ish done. Uh, but here, because Stevie was finding ways of not letting Steven, Mark take over. not Stevie. The, oh, Stevie. Stevie. <laughs> no, it's Steven. Oh no, he'll, he'll, he's he's a Stevie. I don't care what he says. He's a Stevie, but his ability to not or to allow or to stop Mark from taking over uh, means that Conchu actually had to start to work with with uh, with Stephen, and it, it it created a very interesting dynamic in that here's a guy who the his only understanding of what's going on is that there's a voice or there's multiple voices in his head uh everyone's telling him of what to do he he's in a situation he never thought you know he he'd ever find himself in like he is so lost and he has all these people whether it be uh Layla whether it's Mark or whether it's Conchu or whether it's you know uh Ethan Hawke's character like so many people are throwing so much at him so it makes sense that Mr. Knight is the suit that he conjures kind of thing and I wonder if because I mean let's be honest the biggest criticism right now on Twitter is that well that's not Mr. Knight from the comic books it's like well yes and no yes it is but no and it doesn't necessarily have to be you know Marvel has has done enough um, changes from the actual comic book in order to fit the grander MCU and I think that's okay I think they've proven that Marvel Studios kind of has a pretty darn good idea of what they're doing um, and if they're doing this it's for a reason and just just trust that Kevin Feige has a very good vision uh, and you can make all the you know uh Deadpool in white references or, you know, the white knight as opposed to the dark knight for Batman. You can make all those references you want, but it's almost like Mr. Knight is the soft landing ground for Stevie provided by Conchu as opposed to this is kind of what he creates. So it's it's a it's an interesting dynamic. And I know 
we all know that Steven slash Mark has other personalities. So it's possible that one of those personalities embodies Mr. Knight. But I also don't think that in a short series run, they want to throw too much at the viewer because, you know, juggling between Steven and Mark is is pretty good, right? We've got the the, the, the very solid dynamics and, you know, if the Mr. Knight becomes more the detective and Moon Knight becomes more the warrior, that's totally fine too. I think if you add more personalities into it, people are going to be like, it's it's worse than trying to figure out the, the timeline of a Terminator series post Terminator 2. So, or trying you know, to figure think, out the plot of Dark Phoenix. Uh, don't, don't even. <laughs> just, just don't even hey like, you, were, you were talking about kevin feige before and I, I just want to before that point gets too far away i actually really love there's two things that i was thinking about while you were, you were making some great points there the one mm-hmm. thing was about kevin feige and how there was a report that came out in the last week i think it was where the russo brothers were talking about coming back to marvel and obviously they're going to they just have to find the right story like they're, they're like yeah we're just taking a step away from marvel because, what, they spent three, four years straight doing Infinity War and Endgame back-to-back? I don't blame them well, not, one bit for taking a step And not to back. mention coming off of Civil War, too. Yeah. And like, the Winter Soldier. And the Winter Soldier. So, yeah, they, they want to be able to go in and exercise their creative freedoms, which, of course, they can. But with Kevin Feige, they were saying, you know, everyone thinks that he's the man with the plan and that he's, he sees things 10 years down the road. Well, there was the report that came out via Joe Russo saying that, Every time I've talked to him, he has more of an idea and that how ideas are received by the fans influence him on which direction that they go. And I thought, wow, that's that's really interesting, actually, because now that I'm thinking about it, they filmed two endings to Loki. They had to film an alternate ending to WandaVision. I'm wondering how much of that is done on the fly. Like, I know this, the special effects has to be done ahead of time. Um, but I'm wondering if he's really, like, really checking whenever we at Kevin Feige and then, uh, <laughs> at, or at Marvel Studios, and then he's really taking what we say to heart. Because I know he does, he definitely reads every fan cast, and he's definitely met with most of the people that, not that we've fan casted, but, you know, people in general have fan casted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, oh, shoot, I had another point as well before. Oh. But but I think the thing with Feige and and, and even if Joe Russo is is you know spot on and Feige has a general idea of where things are going to go, like I'm sure there there are tent poles in place, and you know the, the fact that they were able to move around Phase Four as so much to uh, you know in relation to the pandemic shows you that the plans are there, but they're malleable. But let's be honest. Kevin Feige's big plan, and has always been the big plan, especially um, post-Winter Soldier, is the fans are literally the boss. The fans are the the driving force. Well, the customer is right. And as much as you, you know, jo- we joke around about how, you know, oh, Sony is, is messed up and, and DCEU is messed up, which they are. We'll get to that in a little bit later. But Marvel, for the most part, has hit it out of the park by listening to the fans. And we see this in, you know, very smart casting choices. We see this in representative casting choices. And we see this in that, you know, 
I mean, Marvel isn't the first studio to film multiple endings for a film. I, mean, I remember Seven, if you get the DVD, I think there's like three different endings. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, all similar kind of, you know, plays upon a theme, but, you know, you have to see how, which plays with which, right? And as well, yeah, the fact that we live in a digital age and changes can be made pretty much on the fly mm-hmm. to a point. Um, yes, they do have the ability to, and, and, you know, we saw that a little bit with uh, the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Like there was, you know, so, you know, let's be honest, book of Boba Fett dragged until Mando showed up. Oh, right? 100%. And, and then it became the book of Mando. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder what the original plan was, how much they changed, if, if they had the luxury to change whatsoever. I mean, again, there's another one where like Dave Filoni and John Favreau have done wonderful things for Star Wars. Um, the introduction of Ahsoka and Cad Bane into live action. Yeah. Like these are these these guys know what what the fans want, and if you want to make the billions of dollars like they have been making. Give the fans what they want. And a perfect example of this is Sony. Someone put out on Twitter, the last five, sorry, last four live action Sony Marvel films. Okay. So Amazing Spider-Man 2, Venom, Venom Let There Be Carnage, and Morbius. And we will talk about Morbius in the second half of the show. Don't you worry. Um they all sank real low on the Rotten Tomatoes score. I mean, obviously, they hit it out of the park with um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. There's zero question about that. But again, that was one of those things where it's like, they gave the fans what they want. We got a Miles Morales Spider-Man. We got Spider-Man Noir. We got, you know, uh, uh, Spider-Ham. We got the meme at the end with, you know, even with the the, the appearance of Spider-Man We got Oscar like, Isaac in that too, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> right, like, and, and they did really well with that. But the live action, they Sony has been fumbling the ball. But look at what Sony has been able to do with Marvel driving the reins on the Spider-Man MCU trilogy, arguably some of the best MCU films in the grand scheme of it since, you know, in the last 14 years. I mean, there is, there is, you could easily argue that No Way Home was one of the best MCU films, at least of the last two phases. Easily top five. No question whatsoever. What'd you say? No Way Home is the best film? No, no. One of the best MCU films of the last couple of phases. And one easily of the top best five. Like, MCU films in the last couple of phases. Mm-hmm. Like, take, take phase one. Fan service wise, I agree with you. Yes. Yes, absolutely fan service wise. But, and as much as, you know, people may point out, you know, some little things here and there, it's still like the satisfaction of No Way Home. And that's, that's the key thing right? Do you feel satisfied walking out of the movie theater? And for the most part, the MCU has been spot on um, with only a few uh, missteps. You know, I, and I, I, I personally point to Thor of the Dark World as the lowest point But you know, of Wisp, the MCU. we won't get another Thor of the Dark World and we won't Thank get God. another Eternals. I think the direction in which that they're going now, and I think Kevin Feige understands this, 
is that the cinema or the theaters that you go to are the experience. They are the experience. Mm-hmm. So if you need to give us dry exposition, give us a six episode uh, limited series on Disney Plus explaining everything you want to explain. Just do it. Then we could rewatch it over and over again, and then we'll get it. We'll be on the same page as you. But if you want to give us a really fast, I that's the one thing I said about coming out of No Way Home was that it was a very fast. Didn't feel like two and a half hours. It was very like they didn't hang it was on long, plot threads. Yeah. They went to Happy's apartment, and I think they were out of it in ten minutes. Like they mm. didn't they didn't sit around and you know hang out. They they literally they pushed the plot forward by doing that. And they didn't go to the Statue of Liberty for no reason. They went there with the three Spider-Men to give us a beautiful moment between the three of them and have the final battle. And then just like that, it was over and they were all crying and weeping. And, you know, like it, there, there wasn't much that dragged on. It, it was very like quick, next shot, quick, next shot. There, were, there was a lot going on, yeah. especially for like, you know, for a for a single character film, even though, yes, Doctor Strange was in it. Um you know, obviously, you know, you're, you expect that kind of action pacing from like, you know, the larger tentpoles like the Infinity Wars and the Age of Ultrons. Yeah. yeah no Way Home for, for a, uh, for a, technically speaking, a solo hero outing moved really fast. And you're right. If we're, you know, if, if you need to explain quite a bit, um, the six episode series like Moon Knight is the perfect example. And the nice thing, too, is that. You get it in small doses. You don't. You're not overloading the senses. Like can you imagine watching six hours of Moon Knight all at once. No. No. Definitely not. Now, but what I could imagine is binging WandaVision because that's in sitcom form, and I've binged sitcoms before. True. I think it depends on and how it's built. Like yes. I couldn't watch Falcon and Winter Soldier for six hours. I couldn't do that. That was a like a psychological, not psychological, but a, like a political thriller action type thing, and it, it, yeah, I, I, it it serves its purpose. These these six episode limited mm-hmm. series, but even with Wandavision, they they scripted it smartly in that, for the most part, each episode ended on almost a cliffhanger as to leave you guessing what's coming in the next episode. Um, yeah, they gave us the bare Falcon minimum the every episode, the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And until you get to like the last two episodes where it's like, okay, well now we need, well now we're ratcheting up the action. We're out of the sitcom format and you know, we're starting to yeah. get to the, the, the climax of the series. Yeah. The best way to describe it was the first two episodes, they spoon fed you air and said it was food. And mm-hmm. then the, the following two episodes, they did put a little bit of food on that spoon and by the time you get to, was there nine episodes? By the time you get to episodes seven and nine, they have a full-blown IV of exposition just being pumped right into your blood. <laughs> you just, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm here for the ride. Let's go. It is very much like, and I don't know if you watched Cowboy Bebop on Netflix, the live action series. The one that, that got canceled. John Cho. Oh, did it get renewed? Yeah. It did not get renewed, unfortunately. I thought there was like a fan petition for it. Did, oh, there, there was a win, massive, right? there was a massive petition. I think that petition is still open. Um, Cowboy Bebop is an absolute gem of a series. And that it went that way where you had all these, you know, story progression, story progression. And then like the second to last episode you had, like it was almost like an exposition dump that brought us to like the, the final you know, climactic battle of the final episode. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those satisfying, it ties a lot of things together of, of open questions, especially when you have mysterious characters with mysterious backgrounds. And I'm sure with Moon Knight, we're going to get um, 
whether it be next episode or the fourth episode. And, and you have to think almost the next episode because now that Steven understands what do you want to you get know, next a little episode? bit more about Khonshu, uh, next episode for Moon Knight, we're probably going to get some exposition because Mark yeah. has taken over. You know, he, he there's that fight with Steven in, you know, in the mirror kind of thing. Steven's going to start to ask questions. How did this happen? What's going on? And you have to think that there's going to be almost a bonding moment um, between Mark and Steven in an agreement to, you know, to protect Layla from Khonshu. Um, also, you know, <laughs> we should have put spoilers at the beginning of this episode because we are talking about a lot here. Oh, um, if know, they tune in, they, they've seen episode two. Exactly, exactly. But one of the things that I really, really liked about this episode was more of the development of Harrow. Uh, yeah. Ethan Hawke villain character I have always said and I say this a lot on It's Not That Bad as well is that a movie or a series is only as good as its villain and the best villains are the ones who you can sit there and go well they're kind of right you know or the ones that make you feel for them the, that's why the, I there's think, a Spielberg quote on this it's the best villains are the heroes in their own story Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, say what you will about the Defenders episode or series uh, when it was on Netflix. And of course, now it's on Disney Plus. You know, everyone points to Daredevil as being the best series. I'm sorry, but season one, Jessica Jones, to me, was the best single season of the Netflix Defenders verse. And the sole reason is David Tennant, because at, there was a point in that series, that season where you sat there and you're like, He's right. He he's the victim in this, and you know when you when you realize kind of what happened to him as a kid, no wonder he turned out the way he did. You felt sorry for him, and that this is and, the same thing you, know, you said when you met me. You just looked at me and you were like, "No <laughs> wonder you turned out like this, you piece of shit." No, yeah, it's- <laughs> oh, it's the same thing you said you about know? me, man. It's the same thing. You weren't supposed to hear that conversation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Listen, Wes, I completely agree with you. I think season one of uh, Kristen Ritter's Jessica Jones. I was about to call her Kristen Jones. That's mm-hmm. that's a, okay. <laughs> but Jessica Jones season one was the best Defender series by far. But then it goes Daredevil mm-hmm. like one, two, three, whatever order you want, and then I guess just throw the rest in the hat and. Maybe Luke Cage maybe is up there. I don't. I didn't hate Punisher it. season one. Punisher season one was also up there. I th- I really enjoyed that one. I found it slow, but I mean, th- okay, we're, we could talk about this another time here too. But um, mm-hmm. you know what? We'll leave this for the fans. We're gonna put out on Twitter at another nerd show. Which one of the seasons of the Defenders shows that were produced on Netflix, produced and released was- on Netflix, which one's the best one? If you had to like tell someone, hey, you got to start on here and this will get you hooked for the rest of them. And, yes. you know, if somebody says Iron Fist, I may block you. You're them. wrong. <laughs> if, if, if you say Iron Fist, you put the beer down, yeah. stop drinking the absinthe. And, and yeah. it's 8 a.m. on a Thursday. OK, Jimmy, like stop. Absolutely. Drinking. Jesus. <laughs> but in, in true MCU fashion, though, with uh, with uh, with Harrow. Well, did you Perfect. get vibes? Like, I got I got chills when Arthur Harrow was walking through. First off, clever, clever as all hell by the showrunners. 
Um, I keep getting flashbacks to when we first saw Boba Fett in The Mandalorian, and all you heard were mm-hmm. the spurs on his boots. Every time Arthur Harrow walks around on this show, all you hear, and even if it's subconsciously, I don't even know if it's actually in the audio tracks now, all I hear is mm-hmm. glass. <laughs> it's so masterfully <laughs> done. It's the opening shot of the entire series, and all I hear when he walks now is glass. I think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It reminds us that he's a little crazy. So that while you want to side with him, he has glass in his shoes. <laughs> like that's right up there with people who wear Crocs. Like that's mm-hmm. that's oh, right God. up there. <laughs> that's that's uh. a level of insane that I hope to never to aspire to. It's people who wear Crocs, Arthur Harrow's glass shoes, and people who think Iron Fist was good. Like that's the no, no, that's the, the top three. The true sociopath is Crocs. With socks, Crocs with socks. That's, That's it. Socks and Crocs. <laughs> but it reminded me a little bit of uh, the Da Vinci Code, where you you see the the religious zealot that that's chasing after Robert Langdon, and he has the the self flagellation scene where he's kind of whipping himself uh, in punishment for uh, a failure that he did. Knowing that there's that glass in the shoes of Harrow just goes to show like the level of calm yet calm chaos within him and uh again perfect perfect casting because ethan hawk is such a good actor but you know not someone known for maniacal over the top um villains there's just a calmness to him and because harrow in his own mind there's a subtle chaos to his character that's the nice way to Mm -hmm. put it there's a subtle chaos Mm-hmm. Especially for someone who, you know, when he does the the the, the staff of of judgment yes. on Stephen, and he looks when he looks at him and goes, "There's chaos in you." Like, I'm I'm sorry. Are you talking to yourself? Because Hypocrite. there's a lot of chaos in you too, right? <laughs> it's it's one of those things where when a politician says something and they're like, "You're saying the quiet part loud about yourself, aren't you?" Really, he's great. Um, he's great. There's only a little bit oh, of chaos in him. He's great, though. Oh. He's great. <laughs> oh, bigly chaos. Bigly chaos. You know, I talked um, to Mark. Mark's a good friend of mine. He's great. Oh, God. A little bit of chaos, though. Oh, Big chaotic guy. He's great, though. Oh, but, I mean, I could not picture, really, anyone else um, playing it. There is one other person I would have loved to have seen in that role, but I think, you know, having Ethan Hawke in there is um, a wonderful wonderful choice and i loved that the, if the you say walker scoville i will back you 100 percent uh no no stop stop shelling for walker every Scoble. episode He'll be fine. Man, you know it i want that kid in every movie now <laughs> no i'm actually i'm actually going to drop this reference my 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 other casting choice for harrow a little bit later okay. but but ethan hawk is such an accomplished actor and in a world where you you know that at some point everyone wishes they were in the MCU, for them to be able to get him to to take on this role, it's it's like you know when when Captain Marvel cast Jude Law, you know as as kind of the villain there, and Annette Benning as the you know as, in, in her I role loved as well. her in Captain like, Marvel. I love oh, absolutely. Her. You have such accomplished wonderful actors in these roles having fun but bringing such gravitas to to a role that could be over the top it could be it could be so bad but in the hands of someone like an ethan hawk it's so good like pristine casting especially in a series where we know no one we've met no one absolutely not a single character has been introduced to us at least 
with WandaVision and with Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Hawkeye and Loki, we had known quantities in helping us introduce some of the other characters that's going to be introduced, you know, or continued, or their stories continued on later in the MCU in phase four or five and beyond. Here, we are dropped in into the middle of no man's land and no, no one like, and it's, it, it was it's almost so refreshing well done. We got, mm-hmm. we got in this episode, a fair amount of exposition from the antagonists. So, okay, I have down in my notes here, and I'll, I'll go I'll go piece by piece here, and then we'll break it down. We got the uh, Stephen Grant persona gets picked mm-hmm. up by two people who claim to be law enforcement. They don't say it, but they hold up these fake badges, and they pick them up. Well, obviously more stuff happens, but they pick them up, they handcuff them, put them in the back of clearly not a police-issue car, um, mm-hmm. and they drive him basically to Arthur Harrow's little culty neighborhood on the way they run him through their security thing which again not police issue i'm pretty sure they're nope. just googling him at this point um or whatever they they have maybe they are two police officers that are just on harrow's payroll i it's, it's yet to be seen um but they they reveal that mark specter went on a uh excursion is that the right word excursion he went to go find like missing ruins and stuff in egypt and essentially, yeah. the um, the scientists or the um, archaeologists that went with him, or or that were already there, he ended up zip tying and shooting in the back of the head. We don't know why. I know, we know that mm-hmm. in the comics, Mark Spector is a mercenary, and this is pre Conchu. This is pre everything. So Mark Spector was a bad dude, seemingly before Conchu and everything. So. He gets dropped off in Arthur Harrow's little culty village. Then Harrow reveals that Conchu can't actually do anything without the host's approval, which I thought was really interesting because it's clearly Mark Spector letting Conchu just have his way with him, where mm-hmm. Conchu constantly reminds him, it's not your body, it's my body. Like, okay, we get it. It's a little Fifty Shades for me. But anyways, Arthur Harrow then reveals <laughs> that... <laughs> Arthur Harrow then reveals that he was the original Avatar before Mark Spector, that he had Conchu in him. So he knows all the lines. He knows that that Conchu's just going to constantly tell him, yeah, yeah, one more mission, one more mission. You know, like when you're playing video games with your buddy and he goes, yeah, one more game, one more game. And then you look down at the clock next and it's 5 a.m. and you're like, God damn it, I got work in an hour. No, You're just speaking me? from experience, aren't you? Just yeah. me? <laughs> oh, cool. All right, great. Uh, <laughs> anyways, then... Seven hours later. Yeah, seriously. I've done that before, man. I've blinked before, and then, and then I woke up at my desk. It was it was a whole thing, but... Uh, yeah. Well, well you clearly, you let Mark Spector take over. I was playing Call of Duty way too late, man. Like, it's... Cause <laughs> that's a story for another time. But no, then then Arthur Harrow, he summons a jackal, which he did in episode one. But now we get to actually see how he does it. Um, mm-hmm. Because he also tells us that this staff or this cane that he has been bestowed has a fraction of the power of Amit. So he, ha- he thinks amount. that he has been blessed with. It's, it's like every uh, zealot over the years that thinks, you know, they're the next uh, becoming of this. And they're the next... You know, they're second Christ, they're this, they're that. And then they get these followers. And then they get this false mm-hmm. sense of power. And I say false sense because Amit is clearly using Arthur Harrow to just get to Earth. 
to just get to life because from my understanding if uh, Amit which I believe is a she if Amit gets to earth if they find her remains she can basically Thanos all the bad people away like she can instantly dust them all away if she wanted to mm-hmm. uh, and she yeah, doesn't let, need the let, cane let doesn't them need live. all that stuff right let them live and risk the bad things happening eliminate them and you very much have a Thanos type situation it's yeah. it's a, it's a fascinating conundrum that you know Steven slash you know Mark has to kind of uh, acknowledge kind of thing uh, you also have this this organization that you know I'm not going to like say it's very much like the Flag Smashers, but you have these almost cult-like followings for, you know, for these villains. It feels and very again, Hydra, that's... Ten Rings, Flag Smashers. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it now that you mention that, and I ha- and I kind of want to bring this up because we saw at the end of Shang Chi um, that his sister had kind of taken over the Ten Rings, and clearly men and women training together. So she's building an army um we know that the flag smashers are still a thing we know that there's this organization this organization that runs under harrow um hydra probably is it possibly could still be a thing it's almost like and we don't know these- what sword is is sword the antagonist or are they the protagonists that were just being dicks in wandavision Exactly. Are they still out in space? Are they operating on Earth? Is S.H.I.E.L.D. still a thing? And and are Skrulls good or bad? Like, they've only been Mm -hmm. good so far, but there's got to be a bad faction of them, right? I was about to say, are Skrulls good or bad? The answer is yes. Yes. But you have all these small little fractions that are popping up in places around the world that you have to think that little by little, little by little, you you are creating almost a... You know, like a world chaos situation where you're either on one side or the other or the other or the other. Um, and who you align with kind of dictates who you're going to be fighting with. Um, it, it is very, very fascinating. The world that they're building. Again, like we talked about this a little bit last week in that, you know, rather than just be isolated in America, which was a, a microcosm of the world at the time. Now you're seeing the, the grander global picture of the superhero universe that the MCU is creating and it is all encompassing and it is fascinating to watch I almost I almost liked or like more that there is no clear cut tentpole film that we're working towards right you almost have these smaller little pocket adventures groups of tents exactly pocket adventures yeah because you got your west coast that they're building up now because I think they established in this episode that Mark Spector and Layla are from San Francisco. So you have uh, uh, Stephen Grant. So you have the Mr. Knight persona that can help out a British team. And then you have the Mark Spector version that has ties with San Francisco for a West Coast. Um, you still have the Avengers. No, no, they don't have the Avengers based in upstate New York. What are they doing now? For, nope. I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but are they rebuilding? Like, <laughs> I honestly don't know but you have to think that dr strange is going to play a key part because of the various sanctum sanctorums and the and the ability to go to different parts of the world through the sanctum um it's at some point someone on twitter or someone on reddit is going to create a global map and like you know red red flag every where every hero is where every villain is 
and little by little we're going to we're going to find out where others pop up and we'll find oh, out where that area is if they actually map it out right we also might find out where Atlantis is because that was kind of teased a little bit Iron Man during two. Endgame. Oh, Iron Man 2. Well, they, uh, didn't they have the, the shield map where they had a bunch of potential recruits and they had one ping right in the middle of the ocean? Uh, that might have been the Winter Soldier, but when you think about it too, like in Endgame when uh, when Nat is having the, her holographic board meeting mm-hmm. and Okoye is talking about an earthquake in the Atlantic. The best way um, to handle it is by not handling it. Exactly. It's an earthquake under the water, right? Yeah, like, what, it's, it's her way of saying, bitch, please, what do you want me to do? Like, <laughs> But in in very much the same way that Doctor Strange was basically soft-booted by literally one line of dialogue in The Winter Soldier. Stephen Strange. That Exactly. That could have been the one-line soft-boot of, um, uh, of Namor. And it would make total total sense obviously somewhere in the middle but they of the couldn't Atlantic. do it then right <sighs> Namor's distribution no, they could, they could. no Namor's distribution rights are similar to Hulk's except for they reverted back to the, the Marvel I thought, Studios I thought Namor was part I was about to say I thought Namor was part of the Fantastic Four universe no that's and then that's Hellboy, what I mean Hellboy by Fox Namor yeah. so Namor debuted in a Fantastic Four comic please Twitter hit me mm-hmm. up if I'm wrong about that I'm pretty sure I'm right um, but he debuted in a Fantastic Four comic and uh when Fox bought the Fantastic Four comics and the um, X-Men comics, they did get the rights to Namor, but they they had no aspirations of making a movie of him, so they sold distribution rights to Universal. Mm-hmm. And so Universal did nothing with it, so the rights reverted back to Fox, like last year, the Fox division of Disney now, which I think is Star or something. I, I'm not sure. It's star, exactly. Um, but yeah, so um, I think now they have the rights to use his name, but they didn't back in Iron Man 2. Yeah, I think the only really com- uh, currently complicated situation is Hulk getting his own film because I think Universal still has some kind of hold on it, but I think that's why we're getting a She-Hulk and that's why Hulk can appear in different movies, but they haven't done uh, a single Hulk right, solo Can I just film. say, screw you, Universal. Like I don't, I don't even care if I like if I even make a dent in this. Screw you, Universal. The fact that you made a shitty distribution deal with Marvel about the Incredible Hulk means we never got a proper Red Hulk with Thaddeus Ross. Screw you, and that's all I'm mm. gonna say about it. I'm freaking salty <laughs> about this, man. We had a great Thaddeus Ross. Ugh. We did. Oh, we absolutely did. Um, okay, back to Moon Knight, though. Back to Moon Knight. I, I, I want to get back to this here. Because looking looking forward to the next episode because we you know when when we left off Mark Spector he was drunk in Egypt um, like what do you expect of the next one are we are we going to get the exposition episode next uh, next episode and how the the, the bargain between Conchu and Mark Spector came to be I'm just thinking like where could we go now so he's looking at pyramids mm. they're trying to beat the excavation team or the excursion team of Arthur Harrow and his uh, cultists. Um, mm-hmm. uh, trying to beat them to Amit's tomb so that I guess Khonshu can defend the remains so that they can't resurrect her. Mm-hmm. And that's about now, as straightforward I, I will, as I think the plot is from here on out unless they give us a 180 next episode. It is interesting though and, may, and maybe it's just you know a character building as far as uh, Stephen goes. But if you remember the first episode, uh, how Stephen was talking about seeing the posters outside of the of the museum, 
and only listing seven of the Egyptian gods as opposed to nine. Mm-hmm. You know, may, maybe this is just, you know, big picture fanboy kind of speculation, but it makes you wonder um, how many more of the Egyptian gods are we going to see in this episode? We've already are seen one going before to- Moon Knight. Do you know who that is? Really? Who? Uh, in the Egyptian pantheon, he's not in this, but in the Marvel Egyptian pantheon, the panther god Bost is oh. a Egyptian because uh, Africa is just well, Egypt is in Africa. So the the Egyptian pantheon of gods Bost is one of the gods. So technically, we have well, I guess we've never really seen Bost, but uh, we've seen but the, they exist. Yeah, we've seen Black Panther, we've seen Wakanda, we've seen like that whole mm-hmm. concept, and now Moon Knight is just another. Uh, it, it will be interesting, and I will admit that my uh, my my base of Egyptian god mythology knowledge um, lasts about two episodes of Moon Knight. So I will admit that I am not as versed as you know I might be in say Greek mythology or Roman mythology. But oh come on, man! I, I, right, but I do love where we've left off so far, and the pacing of the season is is great and. As much as people may sit there and on, on, on social media and gripe about the portrayal of Mr. Knight, go into it forgetting what you know about the comic books. Just know that. No, come on. There's another cliche way you could have said that. Come on. Say it. No. Say it. No. Say it. No. No. Say it. No. I'll say it then. <laughs> Forget you everything you think you know. <laughs> Isn't that that was the cliche of the 2000s? Every every comic book movie started that way. This is not exactly. the story you remember. Like that's it was just all. Oh, oh, there was a Robin Hood movie that started that way, where they're like, you know, the tale of Robin Hood, but you don't know this one, and we're all sitting there like, just play the damn movie. Like, <laughs> like stop. Robin Hood is the most most overdone tale in Hollywood television and movies combined. Like, just it's Robin Hood. You know everything. It? Soon to be Batman, though, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Uh, It's feeling like it. Yeah, I think there's going to be enough iterations of Batman that he'll be the new... uh, What do do the actors say? They're like, he's like this generation's Hamlet, like everyone's had a crack at it. Oh, and the Hulk, too. That's what Mark Ruffalo said about the Hulk. That's that's where I'm getting that quote from. You know, (laughs) Wiss, there was one more thing in Moon Knight, actually, that I wanted to bring up with you before we we move on. I just want to make sure I get to this. I noticed okay. in the first episode that there was a QR code on the bathroom stall. So I scanned it and it was Moon Knight issue one. It was like right to Marvel.com really? and they gave you Moon Knight issue one to read. There was a hmm. QR code in episode two as well. And I scanned that one. <laughs> and now I'm telling fans, if you see a QR code, pause the damn show and scan it. It's so worth it. This this week's one that was is. Werewolf by Night, uh, issue 33, which I believe was the last issue of Werewolf by Night. And again, Twitter, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was the last issue. Again, like, Feige's got a plan, um, and being able to put those little... Again, fan service, right? The fans are the boss, Give them stuff like that, and it will drive more viewers' eyes. That's that has to be one of the more smart things I've seen in a TV show. That's the show. best use of QR codes I've ever seen, too. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. But but possibly the smartest hidden thing in a TV show since the countdown episode of How I Met Your Mother 
uh, when they finally got to one, and that's when they realized that Jason Segel's uh, father had died in the show. Oh, yeah. And the entire, right? Yeah, sorry to bring you on to Downer there. No, that episode always episode. Like, makes me tear up a little bit, too. Like, that's such a beautifully yeah. done episode. Oh, oh that, that, that's just, that was smart. That was, a, that was just a smart episode for a sitcom. It was great. One of the best curveballs uh, yeah. ever thrown at us, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, you talked about forget everything you know. We're going to step away for a second, and then we have to come back and talk about something you'd like to forget that you now know. Um, until then, uh, have a listen. We're going to play a little promo for my other show. It's not that bad. When we come back, we have to talk about Morbius. Oh, God, I'm going to start drinking now. And that is why Rocky Road is definitively the best ice cream. Fine, I'll give you that if you agree that... If you say that the Toy Story's toys are not alive one more time, I will shove Rex up your... Do you miss sitting around the table getting into long debates about meaningless nonsense? Toys do not have souls! So, are we getting hot wings? Then you need the Moral Combat Podcast, where we take all of your favorite pop culture arguments and debate them tournament-style. Except while we argue, it's our audience that determines the winner. I used to have trouble sleeping. I just couldn't turn off my brain. Now I drift off planning my own Moral Combat arguments. I often have strange opinions, but can't share them with my family without being disowned. So I call the Moral Combat Hotline. They have to listen. And now I can attend Thanksgiving. Before I started listening to Moral Combat, I had no friends or confidence. Now, it feels like I have six new friends, and only one of them is imaginary and speaks in parcel tongue. Now I don't have to be the bad guy in my marriage. They can tell her how bad her taste in movies are. Recorded live via Twitch every week, come hang out and get back to discussing the important things. Available on all podcatchers by searching Moral Combat Pod. Thanks, Moral Combat! Follow us at Moral Combat Pod on all social media platforms or go to our website, www.moralcombatpod.com to find out if we're right for you. Side effects may include shouting at your listening device, replicating similar arguments with your loved ones, voting on multiple platforms for the same matchup, submissions of your own picks, urges to leave voicemails, desires guest hosts, pondering who hurt Greg, and many, many more. You've heard it all before. Waste of film. Dumpster fire. How did this even get made? Rack. Total garbage. Fest. Utterly painful. Worst film ever but is it really the show is called it's not that bad and we dare to look at the lowest rated shows and movies and see only the good things we're looking for a grades in b movies it's not that bad listen now wherever you get your podcasts Welcome back to Just Another Nerd Show. I'm Kevin Hillston. Joining me as always is Jason Whistle. I love how I say it. Jason Whistle. <laughs> like I'm an old-timey <laughs> baseball sportscaster. Uh, on the uh, side there is the shortstop, Jason Whistle. You need to almost like put the, the reverb on there. Now batting number 37, Jason Whistle. <laughs> <laughs> we missed our calling, my friend. We missed our calling. I think we did. Yeah. I think we, we should did. have been in-house baseball announcers. Which, by the way, <laughs> I found out some minor league parks. They do, like, the announcers in stadium. Like, they're like, well, what's our job? Are we on the radio? No, just for the hundred people that are in here. Okay, well, swing and a miss. And if you're eating a corn Fields. dog right now, you uh, can use the washrooms that are over that way. Like, that would be such a weird job. It would be fascinating too, and you know, you're almost getting Brockmire vibes at that yeah. point. Yeah, and I'd be all for that. Love that show. All for that. We put out a poll early, uh, last week, yes. And the question was, which which universe is in the worst shape, Ugh. the DCEU or the Sony Spider Verse? And it was a two 
two, or basically a three to two split, um, saying that the Sony Spider Verse was in worse shape, a sixty six point seven percent to thirty three point three percent split. And this is which side were you on, Wes? Ah. <sighs> You know what's funny? Because I know you vote on your own um, polls, you rat bastard. No, I I don't actually. <laughs> I I will say though, had I had I voted, I would have said the DCEU. But I wonder how much of that vote leaned over because Morbius was released uh, last weekend. We both saw it, and I think we kind of both have the same. Um, walk out of the theater thoughts on it but how about you like walking out of Morbius what were your thoughts well I texted you so the the initial reaction actually did not come from me I watched the movie with my brother shout out Ryan um, and mm. he was sitting there the whole time and you know what God love him he, he just got into Marvel like maybe a year or two ago so he I gave him my Disney Plus account and he's just been ripping through everything so he's watched all the movies and then he came over like a couple weekends ago and I was like, oh, yeah, did you enjoy Loki? He goes, what's Loki? I'm like, the TV show. And he's like, oh, my God, there's TV shows? I'm like, buddy, you got you got a little more to watch, okay? <laughs> like, so right. <laughs> anyways, he's trucking along in this and he's watching Morbius now. And he, you know what? He's, I'll give him credit. A few years ago, he didn't know what, what the hell this was. But now he's like, he's in it. He understands it. His initial thoughts coming out of that movie, and I believe it, this, this thought was sold uh, right after Morbius was able to control that that fleet of bats to put away Matt Smith's character, um, which I believe they called Milo, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's Lucian. Oh, or they just nicknamed yeah, him Lucian. Milo or something because he was the new exactly. Milo. Because yeah, yeah. By the way, we're going to spoil the shit out of Morbius, oh, yeah. and you're going to thank us because then you don't have to go watch it. Um, but but it's, yeah, it's, so, it's, so his name is Lucian. My brother walked out of the theater, and I think it was that that fleet of bats scene. Where he was just like, whoa, oh my God, he would slap the shit out of Spider-Man. I'm like, oh, and I texted you that and you were like, oh, okay, okay. Because you okay, hadn't seen it at that okay. point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, just just no. But Okay, uh, so I mean, my initial whole, thoughts though, so that was my brother's initial thoughts. My initial thoughts, um, the story was very weak. There are good things, though, to salvage from this piece. I don't think it was all terrible. I don't think it was say a good it. movie. It was not a good movie. Say it. Say no, it. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it. I feel like I say it about movies say for it. goddamn weeks. Stop. No, no. Then I. Then I have to say. We just it. said it at it's break. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that we, bad. We just played an ad for you. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, no, it was. Uh, it was a mess, man. Like, I. I almost don't want a director's cut i just feel like the stuff that no. they had in it was so and now i'm hearing like jared leto improvised the i am venom line or we are venom line whichever one it was that joke did not land in my theater by the way no i'd say nor did mine but i like to go watch my movies on a mo- late monday night it's you and carrie that's the audience like, don't sugarcoat it yeah there was maybe there was maybe like four other people, five, maybe five other people yeah. in the theater. I love my Monday nights because I don't like people. Um, but I wrote down in my notes for this how to intro Morbius. I wrote down four notes. It was shit. It was really shit. Or dot dot dot. It was unwatchably shit. <laughs> I, I had nothing I mean, else. I, to put I don't know. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it was it was shit. Um, but I do have to say this that in the you know, in the pantheon of comic book movies since Iron Man first suited up, 
right? And that that's kind of where we have to almost take a look at where we are in comic book That's movies. the standard that's There's been everything. set with the Sony Marvel sharing arrangement. Well, with everything, really, right? There's everything before Tony Stark suited up and there's everything after Tony Stark suited up. It's almost like you have two... It's almost like you have the, the, the golden age and the silver age of comic books. You almost have like the... You know the golden age of comic book movies, and then you've got like the Silver Age, which is kind of like the, the the Daredevil era of movies. And now we're just in like just peak platinum. You know, like we're we're just like you know. Or you, you make it like uh, what's the Christ thing? It's BC and and AD, so it's Possibly, BC yes. before chest piece, <laughs> mm-hmm. and AD after <laughs> death. <laughs> Prit oh, we, we're going to talk about Endgame again, are we? No, um, no, but I mean that's if we're going to go on like the gold standard there. And and that may be like you know superhero movies after the death of Tony Stark. That might actually be like a, another you know tentpole in the you know in the age of comic book movies. But you know I there are okay things about this, and I I think the the, the most realistic criticism that I can say is it was boring, and there was no there was no flavor to it. It was like one the tone. The flavor was vanilla. Uh, not even, not even. It's a, it's like that clear Jello that you're supposed to add flavor to, um, because you don't want the artificial stuff in it. It's, it was like it's eating hostile bland. food. It's tofu. Morbius is the tofu of superhero movies. Wow! It's Can I get bland, you on record saying flavorless. that Morbius is the I, tofu I, of superhero movies? <laughs> well, t- technically speaking, because this is a podcast, I am on record as saying that Morbius is the tofu of superhero movies, and it's a real, real shame because you have arguably uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal actor in this, in Matt Smith. Not necessarily Jared Leto, but in Matt Smith. And I mentioned it in the first half of the show that if I was going to cast one other person in the Ethan Hawke role, it's Matt Smith. Interesting. Matt Smith would have been phenomenal as Harrow. Um, I'm. We are perfectly fine with Ethan Hawke, but Wiss, that's not where I thought you were have, going with this. I was going to say no. earlier that I, if I had to cast somebody other than Ethan Hawke, I would have said Jared Leto. No, I would have said no, Jared, I think Leto. Jared Leto. I think he comes across as super culty. That's why. <laughs> You're not wrong. He, he does in come across that. as somebody who's like, "I'm here to help you." No, no, no. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, just follow Look, there, me. I am Venom. Like you know, just one of those guys. Right? There, there is enough out there um, in speculation about Jared Leto uh, that I really don't want to get into because it's it's not pleasant and it's not really for me to talk about. Um, but let's just focus on Morbius as as a movie and in in its cinematic quote unquote glory. In that the best superhero films. And and I say this even with the Sony movies is that there is you know there is some flavor to it you know I think I think the Venom movies kind of got a raw deal as far as what the critics rated as um, I'll admit the first Venom movie I think is better than the second movie yep I'll agree but with you know uh, with the action with the with the with the actors in it and with the combination of serious comic book action and a little bit of levity to go along with it I think you know for a first 
dip of the toe into the Sony Spider-Verse of films, Venom actually wasn't really that bad. I mean, sure, it felt a little bit misrepresented at first when we thought we were going to get a Venom horror-type film, which I think would have been very, very cool. Um, but we didn't. We got we kind of that superhero mix. And I think the reason the critics kind of crapped on that one was they were expecting a full horror film and they didn't get that they got standard superhero fare and that's okay that's fine no it's not here i think they tried i think no, it's they tried. <laughs> i'm gonna stop you right there it's the okay, dumbest thing in hollywood to expect that a big studio that is making billions of dollars off of the ip that you are working to make a creative story about is going to let mm-hmm. you make it r-rated that is so selfish of you. Like it's like trying to make a Spider-Man movie R-rated. It's for the kids. Mm-hmm. I know Morbius and Venom and Craven. Like they're going to be a little bit darker movies, but they're tying into Spider-Man. So at best, 14A or PG-13. Like stop trying but, to to make it your own thing. Deadpool was for the adults who have been loyal and are Ryan Reynolds fans. That's it, really. Mm-hmm. Logan is for the people who stuck it out for 20 years watching shitty X-Men movies. Okay, but arguably Logan is one is I mean, aside from X2, Logan may be the best X-Men film. Logan is the best ever. X-Men film aside from Deadpool. <laughs> That's X-Force. It's That's still X-Force. X-Men. Um, it's X-People, okay? A, you you misogynistic people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, but like like Logan is very much a a wonderful wonderful work of art aside from just being a comic book film, but you then also can't make the argument that, you know, you can't expect the studio's going to let you go full R and then have, you know, Logan and Deadpool in the same universe. Although I did love Once Upon a Deadpool. That was that was just good classic fun. Yeah. But I think with Morbius... Never made the, the it as a wise is, man. <laughs> I couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing. Oh, Fred Savage. This is Fred why you Savage. don't... This is why you don't... You don't sing in my band. No, I don't sing this is band. why you don't that. sing in my band. That. <laughs> uh, that's that's why I barely sing in my band. Okay, Back in <laughs> but, Jason Whistle, everyone. Uh, exactly. That's why I pull away from the uh, the mic enough that it looks like I'm, I'm gonna singing. Fix it really post, so it sounds me. like Chad Kruger. Oh <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> okay, no. fine. I'll leave it in raw. <laughs> uh, right. Exactly. But oh, really, you know, nothing. <laughs> really, I set you up perfectly no. for that one. No, ah. no, I'm not not going down that road. We are not nickelbacking this. <laughs> Nickelback was better than Morbius. It's okay. But that being said, now that's like, a poll. There is that that is a poll. Which is which is worse, Morbius or Nickelback? I'm sorry, Morbius is worse. Morbius. <laughs> uh, the, the only thing would be worse is Nickelback doing a song on the Morbius soundtrack. Okay, so there that we go. Sick. Um, oh, but but it's featuring. There Idris was Elba. no. There was no life to this. There really, really wasn't. I mean, Jared Leto had like one tone through the whole film. And we we know he could act. We know he can act. Like Dallas Buyers Club proved that he can act. He's got like a, a decent enough filmography that, you know, if given the right script, the right director and the right project, we know he can act. But we also know he can shit the bed at the same time, and we saw it on full display in Morbius. Um, like I, again, I feel horrible that you know Matt Smith. When Matt Smith was approached to do Morbius, 
um, he said in an interview that he reached out to Karen Gillan because, of course, uh, the two of them start together in Doctor Who and Karen Gillan, of course, is Nebula and she's done a few comic book movies and arguably one of the more bankable uh, stars in Hollywood today, especially for, um, you know, geek culture and whatnot. She's doing phenomenally. And he asked her opinion about doing comic book movies and she's like yeah go ahead do it it's it, they're a ton of fun and you know that a really cool interesting experience so he took the the role you know after consulting karen gillen and i wonder if karen gillen called up and apologized that oh i'm so sorry oh you didn't tell me it was morbius like like i can just imagine that conversation yeah i thought you were up for I nebula <laughs> jared leto right? would go full I, method I on, on nebula for sure Oh, but I, the thing is, and he didn't. He um, actually he said in the interview that he almost famously didn't do method acting for this role. He almost always does, right? That's what he's kind of famous for: is being kind of creepy and being really into his roles. Can you imagine him method acting as Doctor Michael Morbius? Uh, like pouches of blood hanging by his uh, by his bed, like like I can can I can I. This might be like a, a controversial thing, but anyone who, who goes on about their method acting kind of thing, I, I don't know if it's, it's them trying to give themselves license for being a, you know, a prick on set because they're playing a prick. Like, I, I'm sorry. Yes, study your character, study the their their profession, like like study, learn. But method acting is this story time? Every time I you feel hear, like there's something behind this here, Wiss. Like you were on oh, TV oh, show and movie sets. Oh, they're right? completely. Uh, yeah, is there a story yeah, time? A Do you have a name guy. to drop here? <laughs> no, I who no, I don't have a name to drop. Who was a douche to you? Come on, come on. <laughs> who was a douche to you? No, hey, no one put baby in the corner here. Okay, who so. was a douche to you? And why was it Michael <laughs> Keaton? Go on. <laughs> no, Michael Keaton's a gem. Yeah, no, but seriously, it's one. It's one of those things where, you know, like. I, I just don't know. And and I'm sure there are actors who are method actors and, you know, do a lot of study and in-depth immersion into the role and it works out well. But, you know, to say, oh, I'm famous for my method acting, that just means that you're famous for, like, just not being genuine in real life for the three or four months it takes you to film the movie. Like, really, really, really. And, and the best actors should it, be able to turn it off and on. Exactly. Like, I, I, I appreciate, you know, you know, maybe walking with the cane and practicing that walk kind of thing for, because there were like physical, there was physical acting in this um, shortly after the, 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 the first. It's, I, I want to get like, this right. They, that, him and Matt Smith, those two characters, Milo and Mark, Michael Morbius. Or sorry, mm-hmm. I keep calling him Milo. I, I mean, they called him Milo the whole movie. They, I think I get a pass. Yeah, but it. It kind of felt, you know, you totally get a pass, but it kind of felt like one of those things where, you know, Korg kept on calling everyone New Doug, right? And and that that was funny because it was from Korg. Here, it just made Morbius um, a bit more dismissive. And the fact that everyone called him Milo, like I was just waiting for Matt Smith to snap and go, I have a name. It's Lucy. Like it, if he had done He almost used that, it as an alias because you knew he was into bad shit at the end there. But what, yeah, what did but they it, have? They had like a form of, I know it was a blood disorder, but they also had a form of mm-hmm. like a rare muscular dystrophy where they needed like I, the, uh, the, the walkers. Yeah, but the, basically what they said, like, you know, in order to stay alive, they basically had to as... as blood transfusions like three, you know, four times a day. 
Exactly. Get get an oil change or something like that, right? That's awful. And here you had like, you know, yes, Morbius was a very smart character and like went got the ability to go study and try to find a cure for this disease. And where you had, you know, quote unquote Milo um, being picked on and being ridiculed and being ostracized for his condition, he had every right to you know to be mad at the world but everything felt just so glossed over it just felt like all of a sudden like everyone's rich and everyone has the means to do anything they want and you know just there's just so much that just happens and you're like well how did we get to this point and i recognize that this film was pretty much in the can and ready to go but you know before the pandemic i remember us sitting at work watching the trailer going oh okay it was like five years ago right interesting felt like it yeah this this movie's had i think seven or eight release dates Mm -hmm. but it's also had seven or eight different like edits too as well like i feel bad for it in all honesty i feel bad for it's a frankenstein of what it used to be and that's kind of what killed suicide squad like the first one yeah. where they had the cut and then the studio decided to get in and meddle with it. And I wonder how much meddling just, I'm sure we're going to hear reports of just how much meddling was done, whether it be from Marvel or from Sony or whatever the case may be, because of course things move. Well, and I can tell you much exactly like how much meddling was done. The, the director was on record a week before the movie dropped where he said the studio asked uh, him and the editors to take out every trace of Spider-Man, Daily Bugle, mm-hmm. and Oscorp references in the movie. So you and I are editors. We can tell when you mm-hmm. show a skyline shot and you haven't digitally removed anything, you just pushed it in a little bit and you just cut out the mm-hmm. top part. Um, or when you know there's a missing bus shot that maybe needs to be in it or that had Daily Bugle ad on the side of the bus... Or there's a, but not every reference was gone. Every reference, like was there, gone. there's a, no, there wasn't. Was there was a scene where where there was a scene where Matt Smith goes to pick buy a newspaper from the, uh, uh, from the street side vendor, and uh, he asks for a Daily Bugle, and then he eventually like kills the the newspaper guy. But oh, yes, yes, you know, yes, 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 I remember that. And then of course they they shoehorn in the Venom reference or the the Venom line, and you know the the whole there was a lot there more scenes, there was a lot more. Oh God, yeah. yeah. And there were scenes in the trailer where it's like there was so much more Michael Keaton, so much more Vulture. Why did they put that in the but trailer yeah. if they're just going to make the post-credit scene? Now I'm getting heated. Now you found a topic that works. God <laughs> oh, damn it. And Why would you put Vulture in the trailer? It's not even well, the scene that we got in trailer, the movie. No. No. Like you remember in the trailer, like the first time we saw Michael Keaton and then we were like, oh, this is part of the bigger thing. You know, like, like the two of them pass each other by in like... You know, admittance into the jail, and all of a sudden, you know, you see Michael Keaton, you know, hey, what's up, Doc, kind of thing. And we were like, oh, now my interest is peaked. And like, that scene's gone. It, it feels very much like the Rogue One uh, first trailers, where there were all these cool shots and all these cool moments in the trailer, and none of them made the final cut. Now, for Rogue One, that worked. For this, um, I mean, I'm curious what the original cut of Morbius looked like. I don't know if I'm going to go out there and hashtag restore the Morbius verse. Um, but okay, Wiz, you know, can I, I pitch I you an idea curious. for a minute? 
You reject a mooting idea. I would like to pitch an idea to you, and you're going to tell me immediately because <laughs> we're both fans, as 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 mm-hmm. are our listeners. I just thought of an idea that I think maybe would have made Morbius slightly better. First off, mm-hmm. you introduce or you tease the Rhino character earlier. You don't have to show him. You just say like menace at large, uh, dressed as a big Rhino or something, and then you can have something on the news where there's this explosion or whatever it is, but you're still continuing the Morbius storyline through the same way. And you don't have him go to jail a third of the way through the movie. You have it near the end, so it feels like a helpless thing where he's truly, like, conflicted, and Matt Smith's guy is on the run doing his thing, and he knows it, but he has to also keep himself contained. And then there's a breakout of the jail, and Morbius has to fight Rhino in order to get out in order to defeat Matt Smith. See, no. What do you mean, no? First of all, for, first of all, Rhino was shit in Amazing Spider-Man Let's drop 2. that version. <laughs> okay, but let, let's talk about that, though, because... Sorry, I'm not angry. In the I'm text, just, I'm that, just disappointed. Oh, oh you're angry. You're angry. But you're, you're angry like a Nickelback song. But you're... <laughs> you went there. But you, I did. But your, your text to me was like, you know, like your brother was like, oh, yeah, he'd kick the shit out of Tom Holland. But how do we know... If they're in Tom Holland's universe, so you're saying Vulture? All Vulture we know, Hunt, not Morbius. Well, here's the thing, right? When in the in the post credit scene, right, uh, the the first post credit scene, um, Vulture kind of transitioned into the jail cell that he's in. So it, it leads you to believe that he transitioned into this universe. We don't know whose Spider-Man this is, but you know we you don't think that it's not Tom Holland's one hundred percent. I don't. I don't think it is, and I say that because there has been a lot of love heaped upon Andrew Garfield, and almost, you know, you know how comic books retcon uh, characters in order to kind of like fix things that went wrong in previous uh, issues and whatnot, yes. or previous runs of of the of the storyline. Yeah. Andrew Garfield not getting his third Spider-Man film, right? But Especially the fact Sinister that they, Six? they Isn't the Rhino in there. You hate that Rhino, but I hate that Rhino. But we did see the Vulture wings in that uh, and Electro was cured scene in and Lizard Spider-Man. Was exactly right. No, they were cured. Were they though? Like they're not supervillains anymore. Okay, but we do know that they are building up this universe of villains, and we know that there is talk of Craven the Hunter, and we know there's talk about Black Cat. There are other super or super villains in the Spider-Man universe that we they can introduce, and we know there's a, a Madam Web movie going on with Dakota Johnson and with Sydney Sweeney, so we know that they are building up the possibility of what could be a, a very different Sinister Six than what we have come to expect. Why isn't it Andrew Garfield's universe? And that would allow Sony to be able to build upon their own universe without having directly having it directly affect the MCU, which means that Tom Holland can play in the MCU sandbox till the cows come home. Andrew Garfield can fight his Sony sinister his, his Sony Six, you know, cadre Sony of villains. Six. Nice. The Sony that Six. sounds like Absolutely a Spider-Man right. rom-com. The Sony Six or exactly. the Brady Bunch kind of right? kind of show. 
but that also allows the the ability for a, for Andrew Garfield to have a relationship with Black Cat and Ooh. not have it interfere and not have it interfere with Tom Holland's because uh, well, we fan casted last week wherever. Black Cat, but it was for Tom Holland's exactly. universe, right? So they they because they've been trying to get um oh shoot what's her name Fel- Felicity Jones Felicity mm-hmm. Jones played uh, Black Cat or sorry played Felicia Hardy in Amazing Spider Man two. And we fan casted last week. You said Chloe Grace Moretz. I said Zoe Dutch, just because Zoe Dutch wants to be in Marvel, and I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Felicia Hardy, Black Cat. Uh, do you want to get into this week's fan cast? I think we. I think that's a good spot to get into this week's fan cast, though, uh, because we did talk about uh, possibly casting Black Cat. Um, but this week, and and I we bring this up because there have been quote-unquote set pictures from the Ahsoka series that have been out fake there. News. And we know fake that. News. Big news. Fake news, right? They'll, they'll say fake news, but whatever, right? Um, I'll believe it when I see the final there show. But here's the deal. When we first met Ahsoka in Mandalorian Season 2, she dropped one massive bomb of a line in that episode that made me stand up when I watched it and just go... <laughs> yeah. She said his name is the Grogu. Minute she said... Uh, no, no, wait, you're thinking of something no, else. No, no. When she said, where's Thrawn? Oh, yeah. My ah. jaw dropped because as a fan of the Star Wars Expanded Universe books, um, the ones that like Timothy Zahn wrote and all that, keep in mind too, like the, Timothy Zahn apparently didn't know this was going to happen. He was just as caught, up, caught off guard as everyone else. That Thrawn is going to eventually be in the Star Wars universe. It's time to do our little fan cast Friday and talk about who we think Thrawn is going to be cast as. Now, I have my thoughts and I'm going to say them right now. And it's interesting because we did have a casting news about a Crow reboot that now has Bill Skarsgård to star as the Crow, which I, I thought Jason Momoa was up for that role, but Bill Skarsgård, a very good choice. I would personally love to see Alexander Skarsgård, his brother, as Thrawn. And most of you will probably remember him best, not as Tarzan, because no one wants to go see Tarzan. I was just about to say Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you will probably remember him best from uh, his role in True Blood, of which yeah. he was phenomenal in that one. Thrawn... As a member of the Chiss Ascendancy, is a very intellectual, um, measured, deliberate character, and I could easily see. And he's also like very, you know, slim and like 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 very like lithe in 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 body kind. Of. Easily, Alexander Skarsgård could like put the blue paint on, you know, let them either digitize or put the red contacts in his eyes, and have this quiet menace about him and this quiet command Alexander Skarsgård you ask me would be a phenomenal Thrawn yeah I see it I I see it I'm not gonna sit here and be like no he's gonna be crap now everyone listen to what I would pick (laughs) no Alex (laughs) Skarsgård would be great (laughs) Um, he's he's young so we have to take into account how old Thrawn was uh, because Unlike our previous FanCast Fridays, this character has actually debuted in something that I believe is now canonized. 
because in the Obi-Wan trailer, we got Grand Inquisitor and, and his Inquisitors, which debuted in the Star Wars Rebels TV show. So I believe Thrawn, and now that obviously he's been name-dropped, and Ahsoka's now made it to the to live action. Oh, I yes. believe Rebels uh, Thrawn is... Thrawn was in Rebels, Rebels yeah. Rebels is, is, is canon. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yes. So that means... I would say Thrawn, to a human form, he looked like he was in his 50s, 60s, and we're catching up with him about 20, 30 years later. Maybe, maybe 15, 20 years later. So I actually true, but think we also don't know the, the, the aging of the chiss. That's true, too. Yeah, and you could also age up somebody fairly easily with prosthetics and stuff, but Alex Skarsgård still sounds like he's 30, and he still looks like he's the hottest man on Earth. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to park that somewhere else. Right, um, right, right next to Chad Kroger. I, I actually think... <laughs> why do you always break me just as I'm about to say a point, man? That's my job, yeah, you dude. You don't do that. <laughs> I, was, I, I was just about to say, I think the voice actor for him in Star Wars Rebels, Lars Mikkelsen, has actually... like Obviously, they made him look a little bit like him in Rebels, but I actually think he's aged into a bit of a... Uh, I, I know his brother played um, a, a imperial scientist in Rogue One, mm-hmm. but I feel like he's kind of aged into that perfect imperial officer or imperial, like an admiral or grand admiral kind of age. Because they always had people like around his age group, you know, being the ones in control. And I, I also think he's just super menacing, his voice and everything, and the way he was in Sherlock, like. He's just, he's an incredible actor. I, I think he'd kill it. But uh, mm-hmm. you know what? If you think I'm right, and if you think Wiss is wrong, hit up our Twitter at another uh, nerd show. If you think I'm wrong, um, just don't say anything at all because I only accept positive <laughs> things. <laughs> no, voice your opinions at another nerd show. We're going to put this up on Friday. So if you're listening on Thursday, best of luck to you. You got to wait another 24 hours. And if you're listening on Friday, Wiss. It's Fancast Friday. It is Fancast Friday. But yeah. the other thing, too, is if you don't agree with either of us, that's okay, too. But please, chime in. Who do you think should be Grand Admiral Thrawn in the eventual Ahsoka series? Um, there's he some could have news. already been cast as well. We don't even know. Mm-hmm. We do have to talk about a little bit of news because, you know, the beginning of this segment, we de- we talked about which universe is in worse shape. The DCEU is in horrible shape right now um of course ezra miller being arrested for uh, assault um apparently warner brothers has had a massive um you know basically they put every future project with ezra miller on pause um the current status of the deadshot movie is completely up in the air because will smith apparently priced according to reports priced himself out of it there was a story in the rolling stone magazine about ezra miller um having multiple meltdowns on the set of flash i mean look the real question that we want to ask right now is dc fans are you guys okay how how are you guys doing i feel like people aren't asking you this enough are you guys okay but it's worse than that it's too, so bad. because because Discovery, of course, is pretty much ready to take over Warner Brothers in that merger uh, and Warner Media, and it has been an absolute bloodletting as far as uh, the heads of Warner Media uh, basically either being let go or leaving. Like, I would be surprised if there is even a future of the DCEU. I mean, you have a bunch of projects that are, you know 
pretty much in the can, like Black Adam, ready to go out, and Aquaman still in production kind of thing. But I wonder if the idea of a of an all-encompassing DCEU is dead. Yeah, I, I think that might have died a while ago. I think as soon as... As soon as Joss Whedon's, or what do we call it? The Justice League? The, the Justice League? <laughs> oh, that's as so bad. As soon as the Justice that's League so bad. flopped, and I, I say flopped, it still made a crap load of money. Um, but for mm-hmm. an ensemble movie that you've been building up to with a few other pictures, um, it did flop to that respect. After yeah, that flopped, uh, I think everything after it, I know Wonder Woman 1984 has a bit of, or Wonder Woman in general has a, a good following. And I know Aquaman has a good following. That doesn't mean you need to do the big Justice League crossovers no. anymore. We don't. I don't need that as a fan. I could do with um, you know renting. I I know this sounds awful because people always want to buy the car, but renting uh, a, a hero or two, like having Flash in a Aquaman movie. I still I. That's the other thing as well that I'm really cheesed about. I'm saying cheese now. Oh my god, what have I become? Um. <laughs> you become censored is what you become. I, yeah, I I become peeved about peeved. Is that better? You know what? I'm just gonna get to my slightly. Point. I, I wish Ray Fisher was mm-hmm. still around. I do. I he was yeah. he was a really good cyborg, and there was a lot of good promise. They had a good Victor Stone storyline, uh, Silas Stone. Like the whole the whole origin story for him in, in Justice League was really good, and it only got better with Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's too bad that Warner Brothers um, treated him horribly. And that there doesn't seem to be any reconciliation there. There, There is so much wrong with this thing. And, and I think going forward, you're going to see more of the HBO model. I mean, Batman, I mean, the Batman arguably, you know, kind of saved a lot of ba- people's bacon in that it was so good. Mm-hmm. And it was and it was a self-contained movie. And I think maybe going forward, you're going to have self-contained movies i think the idea of building up this massive comic book universe you know leave that to marvel not everything needs to be an interconnected universe leave it to marvel like especially if you botch it right out of the gate kind of like tom cruise did with the mummy right just 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 end it right there like put it out of its misery uh and, and it's a shame to say it because there are a lot of really good properties in the DC pantheon of heroes that would be really, really good. But it's just so scattershot right now. It has no vision. It's rudderless. It's keep going, keep going. I'll I, cheer you on. Yeah. Keep going. Oh. Yeah, you could do this with. Like, like, I, like I get that. I get people saying the Spider Verse. You know the Sony Spider Verse is in worse it's shape because Morbius because Morbius was an absolute bore of a film, but if you take a look at the grander scheme of things, I think Sony has a Sony has the better chance of recovering. They just need to become more streamlined and to map out their plan, okay. uh, and maybe work and maybe work more hand in hand with Marvel because let's be honest, right? If Sony, let's Marvel take the reins and they just act as the distributor, Sony makes money. The minute Sony tries to do it by themselves, it Well, you know why they're trying to do show. it themselves, right? Yeah. It's, it's they're trying to make their brand or at least the Marvel mm-hmm. part, the Marvel uh, part of uh, Sony and Pascal Pictures, I believe, is the official production company behind their Marvel content. Um, 
if they build enough IP on their own, then that means it makes it way harder for Disney to buy them outright. Way harder. Mm -hmm. Because then if they just want to buy the Spider-Man character and everything associated, well, we've done a little bit of world building. It's not just Spider-Man. You're buying the Venom, which is now a billion each movie. So we're actually evaluating Spider-Man at like $100 billion. And Disney goes, yeah, okay. We're okay with our current sharing arrangement. Yeah. It's... I, I think Morbius might be a, a speed bump along the way. It definitely that dinged on the future value, plans for sure. Are. I agree with that. Well, exa- exactly, exactly. And the fact that you know you have these properties where, yeah, I mean, people, you know, comic book fans know who Craven the Hunter is. Comic book fans, you know, comic book fans will know who Madame Web is. But it's going to be like these very, very. You've got to do a lot of good world building. And admittedly, Moon Knight is not the first character that comes to mind when people think of Marvel characters. But again, you you have the studio that knows how to do this and has been doing this properly for 14 years. Mm -hmm. DC needs to, you know, DC almost needs to just release what they have, shut it down, and then come back and either go... and. You know, have the characters have their own series. You know what they really needed? What? They needed Ezra Miller to keep his ish together so that they could do a Flashpoint movie properly and reset the goddamn mm-hmm. universe. Then you could do a new 52 <sighs> story. You know, like, we don't... I, it's, mm, he kind of messed it up for everyone because I don't know what they were planning on doing well, after I mean, that. Here's the thing. If Ezra Miller needs help, then I hope he gets the help that he yes. needs. Um... And if Warner Brothers knew about it and they didn't get him the help that he needed, it lends a lot of credence to what Ray Fisher has been saying about DCEU. And, you know, you know, I would not be surprised if Ray Fisher, you know, puts out a, see, I told you so. I hope not. I like, heard him and Ezra on, are actually friends. I, I know. And that's the thing. Like, I again, if Ezra Miller needs help, I hope he gets the help that he needs. Um, I don't know if this movie gets released now. I don't. Yeah. See, uh, what was our bet? Our bet was on Fantastic Beasts, which comes out in like two weeks. And I said, Ezra yeah. Miller's probably going to do some press for it. And you said, no press. I'm liking your your bet now. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to pony up on that one. <laughs> um, oh, boy. <laughs> but the... the uh, on a more lighter note, though, some some big news came out of the Star Trek universe. Uh, Picard season three, the final season of Picard, it was announced that they're going to have a whole bunch of friends on Picard because pretty much the entire next generation cast: Jonathan Frakes, Michael Dorn, Marina Sirtis, um, uh, Doctor really, Doctor Beverly Crusher herself, right? Um, like Gates McFadden, like they're all Jordy uh, LaForge. Uh, they're they're all coming back. And joining Picard for season three. Now, I wonder how much of this has been. You yourself said watching Picard season two, you kind of stopped after two episodes because it kind of felt not as fresh as the first season of Picard. I wonder how much of this is let's create this big TV spectacle and bring back everyone together to get Picard season three finished the right way. They did also say that it's the final season of Picard. What they didn't say is if this is supposed to be the launch of a next next generation. Oh, I really hope not. And please don't please please don't call it the next next generation because that would just be I, so so bad. I hope that they give the Picard character his due diligence. Please just bookend it. 
just bookend it. I don't need more. You can you can start new content your own way. I believe I heard that J.J. Abrams is coming back to do Star Trek Four with uh, Chris Pine and uh, Zach Levi and or not Zach Levi. What's what's the guy's name? Plays Spock now. Zachary Quinto. Quinto thank Zachary you. Levi Shazam, right? Mm-hmm. My yes, God, he too is. Too many Zachs. Too many. And then Carl, and then Carl Urban is Doctor as uh, as Bones. Oh, I love him. Uh, and he and he was the perfect Judge Dredd. Also, we need a new Judge Dredd film. I'm just I'm just. Carl Urban is like but a I mean, hidden thing, gem in in these movies, eh? Oh, absolutely! It was great in Red he's as well. Great in the boys, but I do. Oh, he's just he, he's he's diabolical. He's diabolical. Is what he is. No, <laughs> but I mean, here's the thing: Paramount Plus, of course, has their big streaming service, and um, you know they have to put a lot of really good properties out there in order to be able to capitalize on it. Star Trek is arguably one of the biggest IPs the Paramount has in their pocket right now. Um, of course, you've got the uh, you've got Star Trek. Uh, Discovery, you have the upcoming Strange New Worlds uh, series, which is going to be kind of the uh, the uh, the focus on Captain Pike and his crew. Um, you have Star Trek Prodigy for the kids. You have uh, Star Trek Upper or Lower Decks for the uh, for the comedic fans. Uh, you have a lot that you can do with Star Trek. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we get some kind of continuation of because I mean even if Picard ends after season three there's nothing saying that that the other characters from next gen can't continue on in some kind of way like I would I would love a series of Riker afterwards I I think Jonathan Frakes has a phenomenal character that you could you could follow down that road Uh, and when you think that Jonathan Frakes as a director was the one that brought us uh, first contact uh, clearly he is right in the mix of of all that is star trek and could easily create some fascinating content for paramount plus just don't call it next next generation well the interesting thing that they're doing in this season and you know what I'll, i'll give them credit when i first started watching season two of picard i got excited um, because they teased the big villain, so it looked like it looked like episode one. They mm-hmm. were like, "Okay, we're doing another Borg villain. Um, we're doing cameos." Okay, I know this person's going to be on the show. I know this person's going to be on the show. I know this person couldn't come back or could only film for one episode, so you know, not likely we're going to see them very much. You know, you, you don't know all these things like going in researching your parts. Um, I did not know that Q was going to be on the show. And he, oh, that was a that was a big thing going into it. Like, I did it not was know that. that John Delancey I, was coming. I don't back. know how oh, yeah, that was shielded was from my huge. brain. I don't know how, but that <laughs> that was a huge thing after episode one. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, this is getting interesting. And then I'm watching episode two. You know what? I think I actually got to episode three. I think I did. And then mm-hmm. I I was just like, no, I I can't I can't anymore. I'm just like I'm sitting there. I, it, it's just like. I don't know whether it's the writing. I don't know whether it's you're trying to center a show around Patrick Stewart and there's not much you can do with him right now. He's like, I I love him. I love Sir Patrick Stewart, but his best role right now, and this is going to sound a little harsh, and you know exactly which role I'm talking about, his best role right now might be in a wheelchair. It sounds it sounds awful to say out loud, but like he, he's very <laughs> slow moving right now, and you can see he's getting very old. Like, and this mm-hmm. this Picard character, like this version of him, well, it's it's the same version, but he's gotten a little on the older side. 
he just wants to retire. Every season, he wants to mm-hmm. retire. Why the hell do we keep dragging him out into freaking space? If he wants to pick his grapes in his vineyard, let him pick his grapes in his vineyard. Leave him the fuck alone, please. Like, can we please stop? Q, stop dragging him back into this crap, please. Just let him retire. I, I do think, and I'm probably going to call it right now, um, Picard dies in season three. He died That's in season call. one. He dies every season. No, no, I, th- I, th- I think he's dead, dead. He is dead, dead. He's, he's a Borg <laughs> right now, right? Okay, okay, but like I think I don't think it's like the Princess Bride where it's like, oh, he's only mostly dead, which means he's partly alive. No, no, like I think I think it's I think it's done. <laughs> I think it's done um, for him. But I do think you maybe get some some kind of establishment of how the next gen crew and where they are in Starfleet at at, at this point. Okay, and then you can kind of carry it on from there, like. Admiral Riker becomes like the head of Starfleet or something like that, for whatever reason, right? Yeah, it could happen. Um, either way, it's it's a it's a bold move, but it's I think I think if this is it for Picard and the next gen crew, Gotta go out with a bang. It's right? a nice way to Gotta go. Go out with a bang. Exactly. They brought all his friends back, all of his old castmates, and it would be it's nice that they all go out together um and on that it's time for us to go out of this episode but before we do as we do every show we have to drop our trivia question uh of which we will put that out on twitter so make sure you hit us up at another nerd show uh don't just click what the answer is that you think it is also chime in right chime in tell us what you think it is so we can shout you out in the next episode here is this week's question because we talked a lot about Marvel and we talked about you know like the different ages of superhero movies and we have to talk about one of those ages that maybe wasn't so good. So here is your question. Artisan Entertainment originally had the rights to make Morbius into a movie. However, only one Artisan Marvel movie has ever made it into North American theaters. Which of these is that movie? And here are your options. Electra, Ghost Rider, Man Thing, or Punisher? Which of these Marvel movies that made it to North American theaters was under the banner of Artisan Entertainment? Oh, shit. I wrote it down as um, Man Thong. Okay, I got a very different movie when I looked it up. Sorry, <laughs> Man Sorry. Thong. Oh, <laughs> sorry. That, 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 that's the next that's person a fumble. in Deadpool's X-Force. That's a fumble. Man sorry, guys. Thong. That's a fumble. Oh, boy. Coincidentally, Manthong is what the Vanisher was wearing before he hit the electrical wires. That's... <laughs> uh, to all of you who are listening, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Another Nerd Show. Of course, next week we will be talking Moon Knight Episode 3. Uh, we will be counseling Kevin through his... Uh, Morbius withdrawal symptoms. Uh, we'll just let him listen to some Nickelback in the corner. He will be. Well, Wes, are you seeing Sonic Two this weekend? We could review that. I honestly don't know. If we're going. We probably will because the kids really want to go see it because Sonic has been. Sonic One was okay, great. I'll go see it Sonic too. We'll review so it next week fun. on the show. Okay, so we'll talk, we'll talk Sonic 2 next week. Uh, and next week, you have to remember to tune in to listen to us. Wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Good Pods, whatever your podcatcher is, make sure you follow us. Uh, make sure you get notified. Follow us on Twitter at Another Nerd Show. I'm Jay. He's Kev. Until next week, take care, nerds. <laughs>